Hey, what's up? This is your host, Kat Jones. Today is May 13th, 2020. We offer you blood, toils, tears, and sweat. We're all here. That didn't work at all. You want to use it, McG? Yeah. Let's go with it. I am... It's already 1 a.m., whatever. I am Kat Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my bro and sound producer and co-host and also very tired, McG. Ay, caramba! Yes, see, we are doing great today. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Hey, McG. What what are we supposed to talk about? Well, I don't know. What happens when you see a red door? Uh, uh, Well, personally, I would like to paint it black. Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, then we're on the same page. Is that what we're talking about? No, Roll, it was Rolling Stones. It was just released on this date in history, and it's been stuck in my cool. head for like three weeks. So well, I figured well, I'd acknowledge well, it. Well, 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 well. Maybe. So that's a rare example of a um, a pop tune. You'd call it that a rock tune that uses um, the harmonic minor scale which is not really that typical of the genre. Huh. I don't know much of what that means, but it's um, interesting. It means that has a raised leading tone for everybody out there. Ra- raised leading tone. Raised leading tone. Okay. I'm just blown everyone's mind. What's another example? Off the top of your head. <laughs> um, I don't know. What song are we talking about? Paint it black. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know anything from that song that else would. From that time, you was, mean? Uh, oh, from the time. Yeah, what's oh, a, what's uh, another song hmm. off the top of your head that does that? Oh my goodness, that uses harmonic minor. Yeah. Um, well, I, I it's an, it's it would be from the neoclassical movement. Good lord. Like that's kind of a thing from, uh, you know, it's it's not existent in jazz and thing in a traditional way huh so they were kind of like groundbreaking like a jazz musician might use a um harmonic minor scale but um in a different Hmm. context um than normal i don't think you you were going for the word groundbreaking there i think yeah Um, or just like i i wouldn't call it that i would just call it unique yeah for the time period. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah. I I mean you've taken a lot of music classes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any of that. <laughs> so I better be able to say something about it. I can talk about certain instruments in certain parts of Africa because I took a music class for a little bit. I like hurdy gurdies. Huh. That's all I know. <laughs> I like the hurdy gurdy man all, song. Always the most fun one. Yeah. Fun. There's also um what was the coolest one in that? The Cromhorn. Or the Crumhorn. I don't know if I know that one. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> it's, we'll have to insert a one. sound in here. <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. Especially if it was me playing it. Oh. I was in a uh, Crumhorn trio at K-State. And it was the greatest thing ever. Because it, it was like ancient instruments or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that we... They have somehow made copies of them. So the Crumhorn is if anyone knows an oboe that's a double reeded instrument where um it has 
two reeds vibrating together to make the pitch, whereas like a saxophone just has one reed making the sound. So um, when uh, so uh, um, that's quite difficult to make a good sound with. So with crumb horn, they put a cap on it, so you just kind of blow, and it automatically makes the double reed um, vibrate fast. The resulting tone is nightmarishly annoying. <laughs> like it is, uh, it is. Uh, what a thing to tell our listeners. I, I don't know. Like, uh, oh my goodness, it would have been the music that you like. Maybe you introduce the king or or some squire or not squires but just like some nobility yeah. that were proceeding by. You would do the crumb horn, do some. Um, okay. It's just like a. Oh, it's just. It sounded like it was an eight bit. Like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, That's it's crazy. It's very strange. I mean, obviously, we were terrible at it, so I mean, uh, an accomplished trombone player. Um, I don't know. We put in a lot of practice into mm -hmm. it. I, behind, by the end of it, we knew how to do stuff. Like, we could bend pitches and do all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. we became, I don't know, proficient at trombone, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we at least held it together, and it stayed in tune. Cool. Um, so you can tell it's in tune, even the, though it's annoying. Yeah, huh. yeah, um, yeah. It's it's also very hard to keep it in tune mm -hmm. because it's just constantly um, this double reed fixture. The way the the instrument's made is the only way to keep it in tune is to keep your mouth tight. <laughs> so any any slack of the jaw or anything will <laughs> drop the pitch and. Um, Oh my goodness! It's just we we pulled all nighters, so there would be some times where we just you know, five six in the morning playing crumb horn in the, um, practice rooms and just annoying people. Someone <laughs> wanted to get just get their cough because people take naps out there. Oh yeah, like between classes and stuff. You know, they did that at Baker. <laughs> and just the most annoying music, or not only is it the most annoying um, instrument in the world, it's three people playing. <laughs> It's like, so, well, no, no sleep for those. You're the Jesus. ones sleeping in the practice rooms. Like, go home. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or go to the library. That's where everyone sleeps. I don't know so why. That's my crumb horn yeah. or crom horn story. So this has been a little um, segment with McGee. A surprise little segment. Yeah, I guess that. Maybe I'll put some music behind yeah, it. Yeah, uh, some uh, crumb horn <laughs> behind it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great if I could find a crumb horn recording. I bet there's I bet something out there. Something that's free use. I think we might have to like talk about the song though. Yeah. Because if you uh, what what's it called? You can like you can play any song in your media mm -hmm. as long as you. Um, yeah, as long as it this is part of your discussion, and we just described it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. We are using it as... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be fine, yeah. Creative con Commons or whatever it's called. Yeah. I'm going to use Creative Commons to talk about a Time Magazine article. Yeah, let's go into your thing before I steal the whole show. No, it's all good. <laughs> we are in a weird place tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Time Magazine, 1974. Going to talk about queer history in 1974 in Time Magazine, so buckle in. You know what we're in 
in for. It, dun, dun. Yeah, it's it's a weird. So it's volume 103, number 19. So I wrote in the middle. Number 19 in the middle. Am I doing okay? Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what on earth I wrote that. Okay, so anyway. The article is called The Sexes, The New Bisexuals. And it begins by exploring the theory that all things, including human sexuality, exist on a spectrum. So rather than homosexual and heterosexual exclusively, people can fall in the middle. And they don't seem to quite acknowledge that there's like, that a spectrum means it's not just three points on a line. But um, <laughs> we, the, where we are in history, from what I gather from this article, is that there are three points on the line and the middle point is is uh, maybe not existent. <laughs> so hmm. its premise relies on the Kinsey scale and Dr. Alfred Kinsey's own statements from his books and things like that. Um, I've mentioned in the past there are some issues with the Kinsey scale, but like generally people kind of use it. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, his book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, explains that around 18% of men have both homosexual and heterosexual relationships, quote, for at least three years. And then later on, he decided that women could also fall somewhere on the spectrum. He didn't like the term bisexual, though, because he believed that on a biological level, bisexual referred to something with the anatomy of both sexes. But then I don't know how that relates to heterosexual and homosexual because that wouldn't that also reference anatomy instead of sexual attraction in it the way he's saying it i don't know i would think so yeah, yeah. so i'm confused but whatever well uh bigots usually are hypocrites well he's not a bigot he he invented the scale of sexuality and he oh was a, right 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 yeah yeah him. okay and he was apparently bisexual himself so i don't know if he labeled himself that but yeah. Anyway, so in the article, um, it asserts that the word bisexual is being heard more and more often because bisexual people uh, were coming out of the closet in large numbers, um, encouraged by, you know, like the whole pride movement thing, kind of. Uh, the word, the word hadn't, it'd been introduced kind of in Kinsey's study, which was performed in the 40s, but it hadn't really been used much at all like it hadn't been talked about um and so according to the article we were staking out discotheques and like i want to bring that back hey bye people we are gonna go stake out the discotheques or start them and then stake them out because that just sounds like fun uh i don't know what you do at a disco i know discotheque in german is just like a dance club like it's just a club yeah it's just a it's just a yeah, it's just like a normal club. I don't know why. Whatever. So the author of best-selling book Sexual Politics came out in 1970. I don't. Well, I don't know why I didn't write her name down. I had a hmm. night tonight. Apparently, came out in 1970 at a meeting of feminists and gay liberationists. Apparently, uh, and then apparently this caused widespread sensation. Like both, like it was. It was just like explosive. It wasn't. It was like half positive, half negative, and then an additional half, like, what the hell's going on? Like, it was just crazy. Uh, it caused a lot of stuff in the women's movement, uh, and that's a lot of politics, because it's like, oh, well, women, okay, 
we're trying to get liberation and now we're <laughs> adding in having sex with other women and um by the time this article was written in 1974 uh the media had become saturated with bisexual media um from movies like sunday bloody sunday uh books like portrait of a marriage and just general celebrities coming out uh in portrait of a marriage the author nigel nicholson reveals that his married mother also had affairs with violet trefusis i think that's how you pronounce it and virginia wolf uh, other celebrities included Janis Joplin, who I'm definitely doing an episode on, Dorothy Thompson, yeah. who was a writer, Tallulah Bankhead, who was one of Hope Williams' lovers, who we talked about on May 3rd, um, and uh, you'll notice, I'm sure, that these are all females, and that is a, a theme that still continues. So, here's a quote from a professor at Stanford University, uh, hey Alyssa, if you're still there. Um, but, uh, so psychiatrist, I eh, eh, whatever psychiatrist, maybe, I don't know. I have faith. Psychiatrist Norman Fisk of the gender dysphoria program at Stanford university medical school, which is a long title says it has become very fashionable and elite and artistically creative subgroups to be intrigued by the notion of bisexuality. It may well be a socio-political phenomenon as much as it is a real psychiatric one. Now, this article was published in 1974. Homosexuality was removed as a psychiatric issue in 1973. So I assume <laughs> bisexuality would have been included in that. So their choice of an expert is problematic, to say the least, because... Okay, yeah. whatever. Um the notion that bisexuality is fashionable continues to this day. It's what keeps the idea of experimenting flourishing and, you know, provides a scandal to follow in Hollywood. And it, it is still mostly attributed to females. Um, God knows why. I know why. Well, I could explain why, but that's... We don't have three hours. Um, according to the article, the feminist movement has a lot to do with the rise of bisexuality by creating, quote, the idea ideology of sisterly love uh, feminist groups and rallies encouraged women to congregate and cultivate affection between each other which also was my sorority we did those things we didn't have sex with each other like we just had sisterly love and had affection um, anyway so here we get a little biology class so maybe shut your ears if you haven't had the talk yet uh, several experts attribute the rise in bisexuality to the, quote, discovery of the clitoral orgasm, leading women to sexually experiment more because we are uh, sluts and horrible people. John Money, a psychologist and expert, expert in gender identity at Johns Hopkins University, attributes this. His last name is Money? Yeah, I'm not listening to Dr. Money. Right? Dr. Like, Money was, I'm pretty sure, literally a character in king of the hill yeah he was the night was he a crook he was the uh he was on the nighttime. he was like the you know here's how to make money buy all my videos things or whatever and then con decided to buy a, a, a car wash and he called himself dr quarters and and <laughs> yeah oh yeah i do remember that and he, yeah so i wonder if this guy is real if that's his real name I mean, no, I assume it, it is. He's, uh, he's, um, 
I lost where I am. He's a, a psychologist. John He's an expert in mm-hmm. gender identity at Johns Hopkins University. He attributes the single cause of the growing acceptance of bisexuality to the rise of birth control, saying it separates sex for procreation and sex for fun. It influences attitudes toward every part of sexuality. So, that's bad. I guess. It's just a statement which sounds like rational and yeah to us. But like I guess back then, because yeah, he definitely, it was in a bad context. Um, Regardless of the pride and liberation being expressed, the article also addresses some of the problems faced by bisexual people. And I will say that most of these problems uh, we still face today. So when someone comes out as bisexual, they do run the risk of being alienated by their friends of both sexes because their friends are afraid of being hit on. And to this I say, A, they're not your real friends, and B, that kind of yeah, there you go. <laughs> that kind of homophobia <laughs> is their problem, not yours. Like, Yeah, you don't need to stick around. No, that, that person. I mean, it does really stink, though, to... You know, learn that someone you thought was a friend through thick and thin can't see past their prejudices to still love you, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. it would be. But then when by bi- I, I, under- mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, it, it's painful. And then, but when bisexual people turn to the queer community for, for strength and acceptance after that, um, not to mention they're the B in LGBT, so they're perfectly right to expect that acceptance, um, but they are also... Um, erased there. Bi erasure occurs in the queer community as well. Um, because according to um, sociologists Philip Bloomstein and Pepper Schwartz at the University of Washington in Seattle, uh, they did a study of 150 men and women who claim to be bisexual. Quote, claim to be bisexual. And they say, quote, bisexual men are frequently seen as holding themselves up as higher than homosexuals. Most homosexual men tend to doubt the truth of the label bisexual. They think it is someone working his way to being homosexual. Bloomstein adds that lesbians often mm. see bisexual women as, quote, fence sitters. He says, quote, they think these women will easily leave a female lover for a man. They think you can't trust them. Um, and all of that as um is very true the the appearance the beliefs in that um bisexual people are seen as people who are afraid of admitting to be gay or lesbian bi women are also seen as wanting to be fashionable and will eventually go back to men and they're only with women to experiment have fun or whatever and um i've harped on this a lot but the portrayal of bisexual women in film and tv just furthers that notion um, yes, for sure. the article says that we can be capricious looking only for sex without emotion. Um, we don't have the capacity to fall in love. We just want temporary affection. Psych- psychoanalyst Natalie Shaynes, uh, expressed the generally accepted at the time fact that by bi- bisexuality and homosexuality indicate being damaged as a child. Uh, homosexual people are afraid of the opposite sex. Bisexual people are afraid of both sexes. So we're just in constant terror. The article ends with the assertion that, quote, this invitation for anything goes sex 
unquote, contributes to unstable friendships, a chaotic home life, children who grow up sexually confused, and constant ricocheting from one relationship to another. It leads to dissatisfactory lives. So overall, the article blames Dr. Kinsey and feminism for bisexuality. And again, you may have noticed that the article focuses almost exclusively on women. So that is my... Yeah. analysis of that article that's in 1974 <laughs> i believe time i think i read that time later apologized for this article they became one of many you things to apologize decades later like our bad i don't, I don't know of uh, america ever apologizing for i mean i guess news outlets apologize yeah well countries I think the U.S. has apologized for some things, but we don't like to. Yeah, not the U.S. Other, other than the uh, internment camps. Yeah, I'm saying like, it's happened. We just don't like to. You gotta really I force. Guess them. We apologized about Guantanamo Bay. Obama did. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we should do our stuff, right? Yeah, we should uh, close it up. Yeah. So uh, make sure you guys stick through this social media part so that you can hear all the awesome information we have from the unicorn. Indeed. Decide to give that to you. The unicorn right. is always happy to give okay. advice and whatnot. <laughs> so um, if you guys would like to like us, we would like you a lot. Please check us out on Facebook at Queer All Year. Or for a more uh, in-depth discussion, you can join our group. The Queer All Year Mafia. Mafia. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter or Instagram, you can hashtag us or all kinds of things <laughs> as Queer All Year Pod. That's our name. That's our handle. That's what we're going by. Um, if you want to get bonus episodes, bonus material, bloopers, um, all kinds of stuff, you can join patreon.com slash queer all year. Excuse me, I just burped. Um, there's also a couple, if you want to help us get the word out of this podcast, we'll accept any means possible. One of the best ways is through ratings. Um, you can go through your uh, whatever podcatcher app you use, even though we hate the word podcatcher. But uh, the most common ones, to our knowledge, are uh, Stitcher, um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, and Spat and Spotify, 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 Spotify. It's a shame that apparently some places are going um, directly to Spotify only because. Are there multiple ones now? Well, I thought you had said there's at least one. Uh, There's one. One of my favorites, anyway. I'll ask this question to you and to all the listeners: Has anyone ever? Use Spotify, and throughout your session, it worked entirely correct. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you never had it sitting there, um, not playing, not pause, just trying to buffer. I gotta say, or, in your uh, neighborhood at your house, that's where it happens the worst to me. But, yeah. I, it, that's happened to me all over everywhere. It's um, And it's not Spotify's fault. Or, I mean, it's not the Wi-Fi's fault. It's like a Spotify thing, Spotify loading or something. Um, because we've done it all over the world and seen it happen. Yeah, it's annoying. Um, so, uh, Spotify, I know you guys are probably looking uh, for us to sponsor you. After no, that. sponsor you. 
I don't think Spotify does <laughs> sponsorships. Yeah, they might have a network going. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. You don't want to be on yeah, your network. They won't be Maybe. joining their network. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Sorry. Sorry about that. But do go on Spotify and write a brilliant review for us. We're having a night. We'll also take. Well, it's a morning. We're having a morning night. Yeah, we're just tired. Um. I don't even know what I'm saying. Tell a friend. Go on to podcast. Oh yeah, tell friends like. Send an email if mm-hmm. you think a certain episode is mm-hmm. sweet. Link, uh, you know, share it wherever you can. I had a friend who Facebook listened to movies. us and then who fell off all podcasts during COVID things. So just sit down with uh, people you know six feet apart and just make them listen because then they'll get hooked again. Because yeah. that's what I've or, done with all my know, podcasts. Don't, don't make people do anything. Make just, em. you know, keep offering it. Um, <laughs> I think it's important during times like this to be sure that you're making your own decisions i Uh, guess like um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of control going on Mm -hmm. and you just need to be comfortable with what you're doing with your own life you need to be informed too though so just tell the person like hey you did you know this thing and then then you can play a podcast you gotta sneak your way in yeah yeah Make it make okay, them think it's their choice. Uniform. Why'd you steal my stuff, though? Because I thought we were merging that way. I don't know. Okay, that works. Good. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, all right. You want to talk? The uni- we need to give the unicorn name. The unicorn today says "trolls gonna troll," which has gonna has troll. been the theme of this week for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, trolls are going to troll. Trolls gonna troll. Um, don't that's the point of a troll. Don't feed the trolls. It's a fair way. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember and uh did you ever did you ever troll in high school? Um school? in real life or on the internet? No, on on, on the internet. Oh, I was a troll sometimes, yeah. yeah. Everyone was a troll. And, a um bit. we don't mean troll as in like cyberbullying. No, not the way. We just mean going <laughs> into a uh to, like a uh just some serious um blog or something like that and then you just drop a hand grenade in there and walk out yeah well i was on live journal all the time and in one one of my communities there would always be someone who was just like you know they'd walk in and and just have the biggest argument about how they hated the pronunciation of sandwiches like she (laughs) she hated everyone who said sandwich and i'm not sure if she was telling the truth or if she was trolling but um yeah she made a mistake because you don't go in that group and try and troll because we will run you out um back in the day that wasn't called cyberbullying. (laughs) today i think we would (laughs) probably get in trouble for it but yeah i mean trolling back then was rick rolling people you know you'd put a you used to be able to have a link that looked like it linked to one thing, but you click it and it took you to a Rickroll. Um, Rick Astley. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like trolling was a little more than that. I mean, it was. I think it was the beginning of it. Then it, it was got more bigger. than just. It was more than just annoyance. It was also like you wanted to get some anger. You yeah. you wanted an emotional reaction. You wanted someone. You wanted someone's grandma to start arguing with you because she just can't not basically you know 
<laughs> I used to go into my teacher's classroom all the time while he was, uh, he always went to the bathroom before class, and I would just go onto his desktop, hit command A, and enter. And so it just opened everything on his computer, every single thing, every app, every folder, every oh like and it just like, it shut everything down, music from multiple things was playing. And just <laughs> we'd be sitting down. We came back in. And just, his screen is going crazy. Yeah. See, you can so troll in real life too. Real life trolling is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway, like if you're gonna troll, we hope that you troll politely. Um, yes. Friendly. Uh, trolling in Facebook is not good right now. I would say. Um, so if I would say think twice maybe about commenting on political things right now. Um, yeah, just don't spread lies. Yeah. It's okay to um, get some people heated up because they're the yeah. ones who are dumb enough to go and talk about this in a group online. Yeah, but you don't have to contribute to that if it's going to stress you out, you know, or if it's not going to be productive. Right, right, right. You know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I suppose no one should troll, but um, kids in high school are going to. Yeah, I would say don't troll. They ought to be told the right. Don't way. troll political posts because it's just it's just tiring emotionally and psychically, and it's just mm -hmm. it gives you anxiety even though you know you didn't mean it. Yeah, so I would say do whatever you need to do for your own anxiety. If that, I guess, if that means commenting on a political post in a trolling way, then yeah, because I have learned that we've all got a lot of anxiety going on right now, and so. <laughs> Sure. Whatever helps you with your anxiety and give, brings you comfort in this time, um, I hope you are able to find some. And just remember that wherever you are is exactly where the universe wants you to be.